For more than a decade, FTI has strived to become the leader in the aftermarket, performance, transmission, and converter industry. We've joined forces with McLeod Driveline Components under the leadership of Top Fuel Funny Car Pilot Paul Lee, and now have a larger distribution network, more resources, and more power. Come see us in the pits and ask how you can join the FTI family. It's not cheating, it is the competitive edge. It's time for an inside look at the most powerful motorsport on the planet. WFO Radio, NHRA Nitro. Hey everybody, WFO, we are back on the air, a little NHRA Nitro, going to be breaking down the Circle K NHRA four wide nationals out there at ZMAX Dragway. The voice of the NHRA, Alan Reinhardt, is going to be joining us in a little bit, not immediately right at the start of the show. He got off a plane. He was out there testing at ZMAX. So we're going to get a little testing report from Monday, which should be really good. Uh, we do have a great guest that'll be up in just a couple of minutes. Mark Jones, who won top dragster out there at the final spring nationals at Houston Raceway Park. We're going to connect with Mark right at the start. So if you're a fan of Houston locals and Texas racers. And obviously you want to go back to the Houston raceway park event. You're going to want to share the show. Mark's going to be up in just a few minutes. I'm wearing my Haas F1 team gear because it is formula one week here in Miami. And the whole town is like super excited. And I know there's a lot of crossover cross pollination with the drag racing world and the formula one world. You might not believe that you might not know that, but it is also, it is true. And I figured that out. A while ago, you know, like Snake loves Formula One and, you know, Michael Heiner and I talk Formula One. Doc Surface loves Formula One. Like there's a lot of us that love Formula One because, you know, it's so extreme. It's so amazing. Right. But we've also got some folks that are, you know, former NHRA in the world of Formula One. We'll talk about that a little bit later on in the show after Alan Reinhardt. It is going to be great. But first, I got to tell you about the people who make it possible for me to go WFO each week on the show. Super excited to tell you about Phillips Connect. On board with Justin Ashley, number one qualifier for the first time in his career this past weekend, which is kind of an interesting stat if you think about it. But the folks at Phillips Connect, if you want to go to the website, it's phillips-connect.com. And it's more of an enterprise business, like an individual with one trailer can't go to Phillips Connect and buy uh, sensors and stuff. But your trailer dealer, if you are a company that, in, that builds trailers or sells trailers, you can. And it is really interesting because uh, if you're a sportsman racer, just like Amazon, just like Walmart, just like some of the major fleets that use Phillips Connect and all their over-the-road trucks, why would you not want to know if you had an issue with tire pressure? Why would you not want to know if one of your lights was out? Why would you not want to know if there was uh, a temperature issue or a fire breaking out inside your trailer? Why would you not want to know those kind of things? Of course you would. Go to phillips Connect. Dot com or follow them on Twitter. Their Twitter account is always tweeting out great stuff about Justin and, uh, you know, recap videos, etc. So check them out, phillips-connect.com. And thank you to them for supporting WFO Radio. And Total Seal Piston Rings, the leader in ring seal technology, they just did a behind-the-scenes tour of the factory at Total Seal today up there on the Total Seal Facebook page. So you can go check that out and see exactly how they make the piston rings. I was just uh, out and about in the marina industry not long ago, like today, and I was talking with some of the folks, and they use Total Seal piston rings on some of their diesels, which is amazing. TotalSeal.com if you want to order rings, if you want to research rings, and if you want to hear the podcast Hidden Horsepower and learn more about the people who use Total Seal piston rings, 
go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, or the website, totalseal.com. Greg Anderson, still up there, but we're about to post some new episodes real soon. VP Racing Fuels, go to the website. Really amazing. New lubricants for Camry Caruso and that Pro Stock team. She goes right to number one. Think about that. VP Racing Fuels, VP Lubricants, and Titan Racing Engines partnering to do something totally different than everybody else. And sure enough, it worked. And me, I went to the auto parts store just yesterday and picked up a little VP fuel additive for a pickup truck that I have. And I'm super excited. I had to show you this on the air, though, first before I put it in. Right? VP fuel additives, a great way for WFO radio listeners to support the show. And if you're a racer, of course, VP Racing Fuels. Go to their website, sign up for the newsletter, and stay informed with everything that is VP Racing Fuels. And of course, FTI Performance Transmissions, FTIPerformance.com, Spring Fling, Million Dollar Finals, Big Money Bracket Racers. It's the best of the best. They're using FTIPerformance.com, transmissions and torque converters. Go to their website, check it out. Uh, you know, Troy Williams. Got late in the rounds at the spring fling at Galat, uh, flying the flag for FTI performance. They even have their own transmission fluid, which is great stuff. Plus, shout out to our friends at samtech.edu, Frank Hawley's Drag Racing School, and Marvin Rodax, coffeeandgrills.com. We'll tell you a little bit about them, a little more about them later on in the show. I see everybody is commenting up there in the comment section, but I'm going to go out there and speak with the Vortex Superchargers top dragster winner. At Houston Raceway, the final spring nationals out there. Mr. Mark Jones rocking his Mickey Thompson tires t-shirt. What's up, Mark? How are you? I'm doing fine. How are you doing, Joe? I am great. I am great. But I don't have a Wally sitting around like you do. <laughs> How's it feel? A couple weeks out, thinking back to Houston Raceway Park and getting that Wally at the final event. Like, how big a deal is that for you? It's a very big deal. I've been, I've won my first, I won an IHRA Iron Man in 2001. I won the World Finals at Shreveport, and then it took another ten years. I won the Sports Nationals for Jags at uh, Belrose, and I've won six divisionals in between there. But this is really my first big national event win. I was really wow. excited. Well, you should be. You should be. And we were on stage, and you celebrated. That was a tough. That was a tough field out there. Like they were killers. Everybody was a killer because everybody got up on the wheel. They wanted to win the final race. Only one person could. You and Wayne Landry in the final round. And I was tracking Wayne all day as well because he scheduled a proposal during the track walk. He comes up to me. He's like, "Hey, can I? You know, I got two people that want to get married on the track walk. Can we do that?" And so. I was tracking you for reasons we'll talk about a little bit later. And I was talk, uh, tracking Wayne and you guys met in the final round. And I just thought that that was super cool that you guys both uh, made it to the final round. Tell me about that final, though. Oh, the final. Well, it started out the weekend. We had dinner with Wayne and his wife and a few other top dragster people. He cooked a, uh, some food and we all put a, put brought some food with us and all sat down and had a good dinner Thursday night. And uh you know, we said maybe we can meet in the final. You know, it was like four or five of the top dragster people there, but we kind of called it that night, you know. And uh, That's the awesome. final was, 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 you know, it was a really tight race. Uh, I got there by triple zero, three ten thousandths, and I let off just a little bit, and he was coming, and everything just kind of worked my way. Your wife Kelly is out there saying, hey, she gives you a heart. You get a, you get a heart <laughs> out there. That, that's, uh, she's my biggest supporter. She's always behind us. Even 
when we travel to long distance races, she, uh, she stays back. I kind of travel with Craig Bourgeois and a few other guys and she stays back, but I'm so glad she was there in Houston with us. And you guys are in the landscaping biz, right? And that brings us to the subject. Like you, uh, you're a WFO listener, Joe Lee Stanfield saying that you guys are a great family. Uh, Tom Lukens out there saying, congratulations. You know, we got a lot of Lucas oil series racers that watch the show from time to time, but, uh, you guys are in landscaping, right? And so you, you appreciate the audio only. Oh, it's awesome. I've, I've listened to so many hours of different podcasts. I listen to your ignition show and just huh. about everything you put out. I'll listen to it. Wow. That's see, that's how I know you're like die hard, right? If you can handle the ignition show, which is in many ways, nonsense and in some ways informative and comedy uh that's a true wfo person right there who enjoys the ignition show we had a little fun last night as well and sue morris getting her first uh laps in and super street and the nhra it's really amazing how many racers are behind the nonsense ignition show yeah yeah all right so you we were at the stan and sheila holt uh, Lupe Tortilla Friday night extravaganza. And we were in the line together and you asked me for WFO stickers on the spot. And you're like, Hey, you got stickers on the spot. And I really never, ever do. I never have stickers, Mark. And I did. And I was like, wait till after the weekend to put them on. Cause I'm a, you're not superstitious. Apparently, you know, the race had started. You were not afraid to put the stickers on. No, I wasn't. I'm not as superstitious as my wife. My wife is really superstitious, but I've been trying to get stickers from you from, I think at Indy, you came down out the tower and we were sitting under the tower with Craig and you didn't have any stickers with you. And I just haven't had the chance to mail in and get the yeah. stickers. You know, I'm busy, but I'm so glad you had them. And hopefully that's part of it. Hopefully it continues. Well, if nothing else, and here it is, like Mark put it right on the car and went right to the final round and won the race. Now the sticker is not the reason. But we definitely proved the sticker's not a jinx, right? Like, there's no way to say the sticker is a negative because you carried the extra weight of the sticker right into the final round as soon as you put it on and you won the first race with the sticker. So to me, that at very least proves it's not a negative to have a WFO radio sticker. No, I think everybody should have a WFO sticker on it, except for the guys in top dragster. I think they would, should stay away from that. <laughs> <laughs> That that, may, that makes perfect sense, Mark. That makes perfect sense. So tell me about the remainder of your schedule. Like, what else are you going to run this year? And uh, you got to win under your belt. So that's got to help you for points, world points. Is that something you're chasing, something you're going after? Or, or do you stay in your region down there? No, we travel. Uh, I'll do the – we'll have the Dallas Double Divisional in two weeks. And from there, I think we have Tulsa in June. And I'll – Usually, I've been going to Indy since they started running top drafter there. So I try to make that race. Uh, in 2019, I had a shot at the world, and I went to Vegas, and I finished second behind Paul Nero. Uh, if I, I have a chance, I, I, yeah, I went out to Vegas in 2015. I won the division going out there. But if I have to, we'll, we'll chase it. Well, there you go. There you go. Troy says the stickers were three Han out back. That's what, that's what he <laughs> says. And Jeff is out there. Super Comp Nova is on board. Uh, Jeff just got some great news uh, from the doc. People checking in from Ocala, Florida. Uh, that is just so great. I love the fact that we have got, uh, oh, this guy hasn't put stickers on his car yet because he's going to repaint his race car. Listen, there's more stickers out there available. Let's talk about Top Dragster. Super competitive, super challenging bracket racing at around 200 miles per hour, sometimes a lot more. 
uh, as a bracket racer myself, who's raced, you know, I've raced in the 17 seconds. I've raced in the 12 seconds. I've raced in the 10 seconds against some seven second cars. I've raced some high seven second. I raced a dragster a couple of times. I can't even imagine how you guys set up for the finish line at 200 when you're running a car that goes 230. Like that's got to be very difficult. How do you do it? Uh, it's difficult, but the other cars, most of the cars run about the same uh, within five to 10 miles an hour. It's just really hard when you get one that's like 30 miles an hour less than you. If somebody goes like 697, 10 at 198, it's kind of hard to, to judge those. And then we have guys, I mean, I, I'm usually around 225. I've been as fast as 230, but 225. We have a couple of guys that go 238 to 240. They're a little harder, but it, I'm kind of in the middle, so I try to stay right there. Yeah, D. Cruz, he's like a 238 with uh, Will Hanna's alcohol dragster tune-up. So from your perspective, the slower cars, because you're pretty quick, 220, uh, the slower cars are the greater challenge, but they've got to find it more difficult racing you, right? Because they can't even wrap the gas like you're coming up too quick they can't look back they can't even see right there's there's some of the drivers out there that can really do it anthony bartosi's pretty good and strickland and all of them but they've all they've run faster cars now they usually have two cars but uh it it the the slower ones give you a little more trouble and they're really close to their dial in and they they're they struggle you know i struggle with those well you won the race look who's out there wayne landry he wants to know if he gets stickers for coming in second <laughs> Wayne, you, you, I should have brought some for Wayne and gave him some, huh? You should. Well, maybe not. You know, like this <laughs> maybe not. That's what I said. Yeah, but, that's what I said. But moments like that, though, like we're waiting in line for, uh, for you know, for food, and Stan and Sheila had an event in the pit area, and everybody was there. It was like a really cool uh, way to experience the final race at Houston Raceway to to sit down, and that's something that honestly I don't get enough time to do. That's part of the secret underground behind the scenes culture of Lucas oil series racing, right? Like you guys are having a good time in the pits every race. That's, that's correct. We, we, uh, we don't race a whole lot, uh, during the day we, uh, we get our racing in and then we, we socialize Stan and Sheila Holt or top notch people. Uh, I really don't drink per se, but I drink maybe a half a margarita on like Thursday night, I drank a half a margarita and I do that once or twice a year. And the last two times I've done it was at Houston. I've won the divisional and I've now won the national. It's the stickers or it's the margarita now. <laughs> not sure, but, uh, but uh, I, I'm not sure, but uh, maybe I'll continue with that. That's great. And uh, Kelly is out there saying that's what it's all about in division four. Uh, I can tell you division two also and everywhere it's, um, it's so great that it's, it's, uh, you know, I don't want to call it a country club, right? Cause that's not exactly what it is, but it is a social scene. Like everybody are friends and you compete on the racetrack. There are groups that are closer that travel over the road together, but everybody respects each other for being out there and uh, helps each other when needed. That is correct. If you need a part or any piece for your race car, the guy in the final round, Wayne would take something off his car to help me out. I mean, we're the same way with just about anybody. That is awesome. That is awesome. Well, Mark, I appreciate you coming on WFO and asking for the stickers and changing your schedule time. Mark was supposed to be on after Reinhardt, but Reinhardt's running a little late, heading back to the shop in Tucson. So I was like, help. And he, uh, <laughs> Mark jumped right on. And uh, we're talking a little bit of, 
uh, Vortex Superchargers top dragster here at the start of this show. You end up Formula One at all, Mark? No, not really. I've kind of listened to your shows, but I really haven't got into it. Uh, don't really follow it, but I know y'all have a big race coming up this week. Huge race coming up this week. Super excited. And the whole city is like activated uh, with, you know, everybody's trying to make money off the Formula One fans coming in from all around the world, bars and DJs and clubs and watch parties and all. And uh, the, the track is literally right down the street. So I'm taking my drag racing off. We can celebrate a little extreme motorsports Formula One. But I see a lot of tie. I see a lot of tie in, honestly. I see a lot of tie in, except that's it's a lot more expensive to do that, which is kind of like why I like what we do. Right. In fact, I live I live right across the river from New Orleans, so I'm used to big events like that with all the bars trying to make money on everything and, you know, Super Bowls and exactly. everything. Like every weekend there's something going on. It's kind of like that here in New Orleans. I've never been in New Orleans. That's one American city I have never been to. I had a plan to go once, but it kind of got messed up by a weird happening. Um, but uh, maybe one day I'll, uh, I definitely want to head to New Orleans. Who, who do you want to thank? Mark, you are so kind to uh, put a WFO sticker on your car and run our, our logo. Uh, who helps you out other than Mickey Thompson? Uh, Mickey Thompson helps us out. Uh, my engine builder, Steve Nicole, he's been building my engine since uh, probably 1982, since I got out of high school. Uh, him and his son do a jam-up job on our engines. i uh, got to thank Danny Nelson at Racecraft. Uh, he built me a new car. It's a 2021. And uh, he's been helping me all along the way and phenomenal car. Uh, and I use a Marco Abruzzi transmission and converter. So it's not FTI, but, you know, I've, uh, hey, I've I know met Marco's Greg before. Yeah. I know Marco's good, too. Um, yeah. But, you know, like there's a few that are elite and that's uh, two of them. Yeah, I have met Greg a couple of times and, and I just started with Marco and he's been good. I haven't had any trouble. So I've kind of I'm kind of loyal to the people that been with me and I try to stay with them. Now, listen, that makes uh, perfect sense. And uh, again, it's a tight family uh, within our community. And so uh, that is, I definitely, sense. I definitely thank my wife. All she does, even when she doesn't come with us, she's always loading the motor home, making sure we have everything. She, she works behind the scenes more than we work in front. That is awesome. Well, she was great too. Like we hung out and that was a big, uh, big part of it. Where, where's she at? Kelly's uh, out there. Here she is. Family racing family. <laughs> Kelly, thank you very much for uh, taking care of this guy as well. Mark, thank you very much. Appreciate it. Congratulations on that spring nationals victory. That was just tremendous. You and Wayne, both of you, Wayne, I know you're out there as well. Wayne, good job with that proposal on the track walk. What a great moment. I like to just be involved with cool moments, right? Like things that are memorable and that was memorable. And then you guys get to the final round after having dinner earlier in the week. What a great behind the scenes stories. That was uh, that was awesome. Good luck at the divisional. And I, I guess we'll see you in Indy. Yep. Hope to see you there, Joe. Thank you. I hope to. I plan to be there. So, and, and the DFO universe is going to be there. That's the first of our Patreon meetups, by the way. And so, uh, you know, maybe we'll all take a swing by your pit and, uh, and hang out. Come on by. I'll be probably more than likely be with Craig bourgeois with his front okay. motor car, you know, good. To we know. should be there. Yeah. All right, Mark, be good. Thank you very much. Congratulations on your win. All right, Joe. Thank you. There he goes. Mark Jones with us here on WFO Radio. And it's been a longstanding policy as best as we can. If you ask for a WFO sticker and put it on your vehicle and go win a race, especially an NHRA national event, uh, you're going to get on WFO at some point. That's just a fact. 
right? And we've tried to live up to that as best as we could uh, over the years. Sometimes, you know, they slip through the cracks, but for the most part, that's what we do. Let's see what comments out there is we're killing time now between uh, Alan Reinhardt jumping on, which should be a couple of seconds. Warren Jones, DJ's making money. Hmm, yeah. DJ's all making money down here. No better people than drag racers. In my opinion, Jim Norris. And I agree, Jim. I mean, there's a lot of great people out there. I don't want to diminish other people, but the willingness to help each other and then compete against each other and then feed each other. Uh, it is great. And a perfect example. Hey, Joe, are you going to be on tomorrow? You know, that's a good point there, Blake. Good point, Blake. Promote the rest of the week. Yes, tomorrow I am going to be on the show. Tomorrow I'm going to be on 12 noon, Mike Salinas, top fuel winner. I had originally promoted John Force, but John Force, it's his birthday tomorrow. Star Wars Day, May the 4th, Star Wars Day, John Force. So Mike Salinas going to be on tomorrow and Force going to be on Thursday, 2 p.m. So we got Force Thursday, 2 p.m. We got Mike Salinas, 12 noon tomorrow. And somewhere else in there, we're going to try to do a little uh, segment called NHRA Talks Formula One to celebrate the big Formula One week here in town. And if you didn't get a chance to listen or watch the Ignition Show, it's up on YouTube where we kind of give some behind the scenes video of the track. Like one of the cool things they've got is they've got all these. Yeah, I kind of think it's a little dumb, too. They've got these yachts all around a corner up on dry dock and they made like a marina. And so people are going to be partying on these million dollar yachts, except they're in a parking lot and there's a racetrack going through it, which is pretty amazing. But I'm super excited to talk to John Force, you know, 155th career victory. Steve Johnson wins again. Steve Johnson, who, uh, you know, he came on last week and was pretty, you know, uh, inflammatory, but it worked. Like maybe he's trying to mess with people's minds. Uh, he went out there and won again, back-to-back -back races. Uh, Steve Johnson, pretty amazing. I do want to highlight somebody else, though, that is a friend of WFO and really more friend of WFO Joe, and that is Jason Bader. One super street out there at ZMAX. His first NHRA national event win. He won it in his dad Martin's 70 Chevelle. And I've known this guy since the Miami Hollywood Speedway days. Like we both, you know, left the starting line off that Christmas tree at some point. And he's probably like six or seven years older than me, but you know, he's racing with his dad. I'm racing with my dad at some point. And, you know, he, he got away from drag racing for a while and then got back into it and went on and won super street, his first national event. And what is his biggest selling point after it's all over exactly what Mark and Kelly say that the community behind the scenes of people that are racing and the racers that help each other and all of that, uh, is the best part of it all. Like the socializing and the networking with all the folks. And then you go out there and you try to rip their heads off on the starting line. Looks like Reinhardt's getting signed on. I do want to remind everybody, we picked up a couple of Patreons uh, earlier this week. A couple of folks out there, David met me at the, uh, what was it? Nitro school and said, I'm going to jump on and become a Patreon. He did and got a yearly membership. And now I feel great pressure to deliver for him. And so we are trying, uh, especially from behind the scenes at Formula One, so if you want to go to WFORadio.com, join the Patreons or go to Patreon.com slash WFORadio and join the VIP Listeners Club. It's amazing how many people have signed up and they don't really get a lot. Yeah, they don't really get a lot. Now, am I saying that? Is that true? Am I just being self-deprecating? You know, I don't, I, I would rather, what is it? Under promise and over deliver is really what I would do with the whole Patreon show. A couple more comments. Dave, out there he is. All right. What's up, Dave? 
How far did Sue get in Super Street? Sue lost first round on a 001 red light start. In her first time run, which I tweeted out, she was 006 green. Then she went 011 red, put in 15, put in 18 before first round, went 001 red. So I thought she had a great first outing. Jason Bader, cool dude. Congratulations. Yeah, Tom, congratulations to you too. And Monty Bogan, semifinals, two categories. How about Mike McIntyre making it to the final round? Great Northern Ohio guy. Yeah, it was just so great. Forces 155th. Salinas winning the race. Steve Johnson winning the race. What a race, all this racing information. I know uh, I'm not going to know what to do, but I'll be tuning in. Exactly. WFO all week. Yeah, we got Salinas. We got Force. We're going to do some Formula One. This guy says we need more four wide races. And Kelly saying, He's my champ for life. You guys are are awesome. So cute. Wayne Landry. Good job, Wayne. Thanks for that deal. The proposal. Would love to see Formula One in Miami or anywhere for that matter. Yeah. So would a lot of people. It's going to be good to go. All right. Here he goes. Reinhardt is back. He just landed. He dropped the bag. He got an Uber. And now he's on the air WFO. That is the major media lifestyle right there. The, the bag is right there. It's not even unpacked yet. He's not even nothing. Good job. Nothing. Nothing. Nope. All just right. uh, jumped, jumped in an Uber and headed to the shop, and here I am. Sorry, we, uh, we were a little delayed getting out of Dallas. We had to wait on the crew, and then there was a pretty good headwind, so the flight was actually longer than it normally is. But first world problems, right? Yeah, Mark Jones jumped in to fill the spot perfectly. He was going to be on after you. I was like, Mark, help. And he, uh, he jumped on, and we got to talk top dragster at the spring nationals. And of course he's rocking a WFO sticker. So that's a, that's a very important deal. So you were there for testing on Monday. Uh, I don't want to, you know, go over, I don't want to skip over the race. Obviously I want to talk about the race, but did anything big happen at the test? Were you out there for that? Uh, I wasn't really out there that long. I went out there for a little while, um, watched a few of the, few of the teams make runs, but really the reason I stayed over, I went to Pat Musi's place. Uh, he gave me a tour of the engine shop and then, uh, they now have a separate race shop where they keep Lizzie's cars and, and his stuff. And so I got the, uh, I got the full Musi experience, which was really cool. Oh yeah. Did you see the, uh, the stuff, the old, uh, stuff? I am not at liberty to say. Okay, I know. No, that he stuff. gave me a walk through the shop. They do. Uh, there, there's a lot of interesting projects he's got going on there. One thing I wasn't familiar with, I don't know if you knew about it or not, uh, but they do a Musi Edelbrock 555 big block Chevy, like plug and play. Really? Take this thing, put it in your car, 700 plus horsepower, 800 plus pound feet of torque, pump gas, turn the key, go. Fuel injected, done, complete, ready to go into your car, and uh, it's really. Uh, pretty clean package and pretty neat deal. And, uh, you know, I mean, right. Great motors are all the rage these days and uh, especially something like that. But he showed me, uh, at his shop, uh, and actually his brother took me over and showed me some of the stuff at the shop, but they've got one of these 555 crates in a 69 Camaro, uh, coupled up to a, a Tremac five speed to just a fun little street car and, you know, air conditioning, power steering and, and turn the key and go, but uh, pretty neat deal. And then of course he's, you know, building the, the 900 inch nitrous stuff. And, uh, he, he actually told me he's not doing as much out of the box things as he used to. He's got a lot going on building the big nitrous motors. They do a 632 deal. They're doing the 555 stuff. Uh, but they're kind of getting into more of a, 
we're going to do three or four things and do them absolutely perfect instead of trying to do a hundred things and doing them all pretty darn good. So uh, it was really, it was really neat tour. He's got a very nice facility, very nice shop. And uh, it was nice of him to take the time out of his day to show me around. And then the race car shop is brand new. So that's really cool. No, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I follow uh, Pat on Facebook. And so I watched that thing go from like empty uh, steel building to alive and well. And he's doing so good. Lizzie's doing a great job over there with NPK and whatnot. But, uh, you know, we would I'd love to see Lizzie run Fuel Tech Pro Mod at some point over here. Like that would be really cool. I guess it could happen. But, uh, you know, as of right now, they've got the the uh, mpk stuff that they're just killing with when they take it on the road and and you know packing the packing the racetracks and, and enjoying it and you know doing their tv stuff and doing it right now uh, you know talking to pat he said they're as far as the race car goes pretty much as busy as they want to be you know it's like if we wanted to you know have lizzie do four appearances a week we could make that happen but that's you know they're trying to kind of stay focused on what they're doing and, and uh they've got a good deal going on no doubt they absolutely do and jim norris who's from florida goes i think pat lived at uh, hollywood for a while hollywood florida we used to see him at miami hollywood speedway a lot pat Musi has got some connections to south florida as do so many uh new jersey uh, italianos but that's a different thing uh we got some other folks out there carlos saying hope Brittany goes back to the monster car the yellow car is not as good uh i don't know about that <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's exactly the same car they change the body panels it's exactly the same car don't tell the people at Flavor Pack that. My goodness. And they uh, know. Pete Lancier says Nick and I are also big Formula F1 fans. Yeah, I'm wearing my uh, my Haas F1 gear. Also, to demonstrate to the NHRA world how crazy they go with F1 gear. Look, we got like multicolored, you know, it's red under the collar. This is like the inaugural Haas F1 gear. I'll be rooting for our American team uh, in addition to Ferrari this weekend. But they their, their gear, it's a little more expensive. But it's pretty cool stuff, man. You could, you could wear this into, uh, you know, it's got multicolors, layers. Good Can stuff. you like flip it over so that tomorrow it would be orange and then you'd have silver under the collar? I mean, the whole shirt. Can you just, you know, I one of those deals like when you, when, you, when you don't get home at night, so you just turn everything inside out, it looks like you did go I home think, and change? I think it would work. I think, <laughs> I've never been a big top my collar kind of guy, but it would work in this, uh, in this deal. I'm just super excited about it. All right, let's get into the, uh, let's get into the weekend because we, we got Mike Salinas tomorrow. We got John Force on Thursday. And you know, I got to start with John Force, though. The guy turned 73 this week. Tomorrow. 155. Yes, May the 4th, Star Wars Day. 155 career wins. Uh, it's just amazing. In the media center, he kind of like, you know, this was a very emotional victory because of the, uh, you know, issues with Adra, like fighting some medical issues. And he said it was like destiny. You know, he goes, I don't think I should have won. I feel like I should have apologize to Ron Caps and to Robert because like, I'm not as good as they are. And, and how is it that I'm winning these races and we swap engines and we don't warm up even, and we go out there and we win the race. And you know what? Like you can wonder that, but he won the race again, John force back to back four wide wins. Like the guy well, is, the guy's good. Let's see. Low ET top speed, number one qualifier. And I don't feel like I deserve to win the race. That's what he Come says. on, man. Uh, you know, was there a mad thrash before the final? Sure. But they had a very good race car um, for, you know, and we've been talking about it since the beginning of the year, right? One race. Holy smokes. Look how fast they are. Next race. What the hell happened to those guys? And oh, look, they're back. Oh, well, not so fast. And this week they were certainly riding the top of the wave from the time they rolled that thing out of the box. 
you know, set both ends of the track record, uh, took the speed record away from his daughter. Courtney's a little irritated about that. But yeah. like I said, low ET, top speed, number one qualifier, won the race. And even their number one qualifier run, it wasn't like, okay, Friday night they went out, and that's the only time they went down a racetrack. They went down a racetrack three out of four times and very good. And the fourth time they didn't, it's a typical, you know, where's the edge? How far can we go? Okay, not quite that far. Uh, but he had the best car and they delivered. They absolutely delivered. And it was very emotional for John. Um, great win. But he's not the only one. Uh, like Ron Caps, brand new body. Goes right into the 80s. Goes right to the final round. And was looking pretty good till the car shut down on him. Uh, you know, ran 425 at 225. That's a that's a great outing, first outing for that GR Supra for Ron Caps. Answer me this: If you're Alexis or Jr. in the final, are you going, "Come on, Ron," or is a little part of you going, "Oh, please, Robert, John, do, you know, don't don't let him make it look this easy." when we're still kind of adjusting a little bit. Uh, but you know, Ron's had a good car all year. And I think they showed that the body isn't taking anything away. Uh, you know, however they were running the car before, uh, and perhaps, and I certainly don't know, you know, the intricacies of the aerodynamic numbers, but maybe Ron's old body was closer to the new GR Supra than the old the old Toyota was so maybe that just made it a little easier transition for him than it's been for them but uh, you know he had a good showing I think you know Mac Mike Mike McIntyre obviously getting the final was cool and that's another one of the one of the things that I think a lot of people love about four wide is that the underdogs have a chance to make a little noise and get a little TV time and and get out there and show off a little bit because when you're looking at the other cars Oftentimes the underdog car gets overlooked and if you go down the racetrack, that's all you got to do to advance And that's exactly what McIntyre were doing. They were just making smooth runs send it down the racetrack and uh, it worked out for him And John like this guy says not to mention he had the best light in the finals, which he did of course He rolled it wow. in a little bit, but he also went a 91. Here's John for staging pre-stage stage Yeah, okay. I'm ready now <laughs> And I love you, John. And he says it. You know, he makes no bones about it. So it's not like I'm talking about him behind his back. He would tell you the same thing. But so he said something in the media center that triggered me a little bit because he mentioned that. He says, well, I had it in about four clicks, right? And, <laughs> well, wait a second, Mr. Confused Guy, who's acts all confused all the time. Is that an actual measurement for rolling in deep? Like, I bet he does. I bet he knows, like, exactly, like, all the way before you put the bulb out like this guy whether he wants to or not has done this so many times he chunked it in a bit maybe not the most possible but the way he said it four clicks made me think hey this guy he's keeping track of things a lot more than he leads on to well he you know there's not a whole lot that slips by him when he's in the race car he's been doing it for so long and he you know his he obviously has got a good instinct for where he is on the track and what's happening, and what he needs to do. And, you know, four clicks. Okay. If he wants to call it that, I don't care. From the time you turn on the stage bulb until the time the pre-stage goes out, you've got about six and a half inches. So, um, you know, he, he didn't put the top light out, which uh, somebody did earlier in the day was Cruz. Somebody earlier in the day went in Cruise. deep enough. They put the top light out, uh, which is uh, completely legal. There's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing. You can do it if you want to. Uh, but you know, John always rolls her in a little bit. It helps your reaction time. It hurts your lapse time. 
But uh, as they say, there's no lane choice in the witch circle. So if you're in the final round, what do you save it for? Well, exactly. But in the end, it's John Force's day. But uh, yeah, big shout out to Mike McIntyre and those Mac Attack guys. That's exactly that's why four, four wide is is a, is a good thing because it gives those guys an opportunity to transfer as opposed to win and still advance. That team was so fired up and so happy. Um, and that's going to keep them going, right? That's going to keep them motivated. Motivation, moments like that, experiencing a final, getting to turn the car a couple of times on race day. That is where experience comes in, and that's why it was good. And we saw Mike Salinas wins, but it was Cam Ferre who runnered up. And Cam, this guy has had his legs taken out from under him so many times with sponsorship deals. Hey, I got a ride. I don't have a ride. Uh, we have a sponsor. Oh, we don't have a sponsor. Um he and the Peyton car, like they could be a real threat on a regular basis if they could get some steady funding. I think so. They've got good parts and pieces over there. They've got, you know, a very good race car. It's just a matter of, you know, be, being able to have the fin financial wherewithal to run it like the other teams run them. Uh, you know, if, if you're going out there and, and like they're doing now, you know, where we're not trying to qualify number one, two, three, four. We're trying, we're trying to make runs down the track, go clean, not hurt parts, make sure we can make our stuff live as long as possible. And Todd Payton's been around the game a long time. He's got a lot of knowledge about this. And he also, because of the position he's in, uh, you know, basically being the computer troubleshooter for so many of the teams, if he gets in trouble, he ain't going to have to yell very loud for somebody to come to his rescue. So if they were able to run the car a little harder, then I think they could be a very serious threat uh, on a regular basis. It's just a matter of, and I don't know how many, <clears throat> how many casual fans, I know most of the people that are, that are following along with us are pretty hardcore, but I don't know how many casual fans realize that the difference between trying to run a car like Steve Torrance runs it, trying to run a car like David Grubnick runs it, is eight runs on a crankshaft versus 20. Right. And so that's where the extra financing comes in. You've got to be able to, because when you're pushing that hard, the difference between trying to run 68 and trying to run 78 isn't a little bit. It's a huge amount because it gets exponentially harder to go faster the faster you're going. And so you have to be able to have the budget that you can keep cycling those parts and keep the fresh stuff in there and not take a chance of, you know, a crankshaft breaks and you're out 60 grand. Um, so that's why you cycle them quickly so that they don't break and so that it doesn't cost you an entire engine and you just need to have the resources to do that i don't think i don't think todd would have any problem and i'm not saying he's going to go out and set every track record but i don't think todd would have any problem taking that car being a solid top half qualifier on a regular basis if they had the budget that they could push hard enough and be able to keep fresh parts in that thing as opposed to understanding that look this is what we got we got to try to make it last for 15 runs or 18 runs so instead of trying to run 372 we're going to try to run 379 or 380 or 385 uh, simply because we need to be able to uh, we need to be able to keep our parts longer no i agree i agree and that's that is the challenge we want them to have a little money they had a deal to run x amount of races this year and it kind of fell through a corporate restructuring that kind of that kind of stuff. But Mike Salinas, right? Mike's going to be on tomorrow. This guy has been so great this year, like having fun. By the way, somebody commented that they had fun watching us this this weekend and that it was a good, uh, you know, just a great race all around. Thank you for saying that. But Mike Salinas, Rob Flynn, Lamont over there, those guys 
They've got this thing going on in the media center. Mike Salinas, he gave a lot of credit to Alan Johnson. He goes, Alan mm-hmm. Johnson is really racing against himself out here. He goes to a team. He, in, in many ways, like sets up a structure and then kind of moves on. And the structure is still at least known. They don't have to live by it, but they can definitely reference it. And he's, he, Salinas said that Alan Johnson is running against himself out here in many different ways. But now everybody has got what he's got and caught up and, that Rob Flynn is taking that like secret sauce and making it his own. And clearly they've now won two races and they're looking good. And Salinas's driving has been better than it's ever been. And that's a recipe for a race win. I think there's a lot of drivers out there that would like to know what Mike Salinas did because he almost flipped a switch as far as his reaction time stuff. And that's not easy to do. And I know that, you know, he has said, speaking with Jose Gonzalez and getting, you know, we gave him some, and all of a sudden, but most drivers, you know, you work on the practice tree, you work on your mental game, you work on your made it, and, and you get a little better, you get a little better. Mike Salinas really almost just went, okay, medium, killer. Yep. And like overnight. And what they did to accomplish that, uh, that's, that's a pretty well-kept secret. Uh, what he said about Alan Johnson, though, is true. And Alan has that reputation. He's done it before. When Alan left the Army team, even though the vast majority of the people that were on that team went with him when he started the Alanabi team. But when he left, it's like, here's the playbook, right? He didn't erase computer files. He didn't, you know, this is what I have done to win championships with this thing. Now you need to take that. And you know, if you want to use it, use it. If you want to throw it away, throw it away. Well, when Mike Green came in, he's smart enough to understand this car has won the last, what was it? Five championships. Why would I throw this away? And so Mike Green went in, carried on. You still have to make the right, you know, game day decisions, for lack of a better term. Anybody that pays a, a lot of attention out there will notice that before they start the car, Alan's got the little trap door open, and he's looking at his notes. He's looking at and the last thing and the last, and that is just an instinctive thing. Uh, you know, I can put you in the neighborhood, but I can't teach you that. And I think Mike Green was able to build on that and, and carry on. They came back. They won the championship again with, with Tony Schumacher that year and stayed competitive. And when Mike, when Alan left Mike Salinas, exactly the same thing. Rob Flynn is coming in. He's like, you know, look, you've got all the parts, all the pieces, all the hardware, all the, because all that belongs to Mike. So it ain't like Alan's taking that with him. Right. And here's the information. Here's the playbook. Here's what we've been doing. And Rob Flynn comes in, looks things over and says, okay, now all he needs to do is be smart enough to make those right instinctive decisions at the last minute. And he's been out there a long time doing it. Uh, Alan, the Coletta cars were among those that were running. I bumped into Jake McCullough at the airport this morning and he said, we made good, clean runs down the racetrack. We got through the trouble zone every time. Uh, So he said, you know, they feel like they had a productive test. We'll find out when we get to Richmond. That's well, exactly. We will find out. Uh, another driver I want to shout out Spencer Massey, the Pat Dakin team, Scott Graham making the final round. Like, that's again the four wide. You got Josh Hart, you got Spencer Massey, you got Mike Salinas, you got Cam Ferre. Of course, Spencer's off the starting line first in the final, unfortunately, had a bit of a problem. But if they keep showing up with that car, they're going to get a win. Spencer, to me, I think he's the best lever in top fuel even with Justin Ashley and even with Antron and even with Steve, the way he consistently shows up and just kind of jumps in a car and has reaction times that are at the front of the field as quick as anybody and quicker than most. 
That's amazing to be a part-timer and to be able to do that, Spencer Massey. Well, he spends a lot of time bracket racing, and that helps. I mean, it's it's hits at the tree, right? Even though you're using in bracket racing, you're using your thumb or your hand instead of your foot, but it still hits at the tree, and it's it's just more and more practice. Uh, it would be interesting to see what he would do if he's out there on a full-time basis, because I think, you know, the guys that you mentioned, and you know, the Austin Prox, the Justin Ashley's, the you know, they come out there every week. And when Spencer shows up, he's almost hold my beer and watch this, right? I mean, yep. there's no pressure on him. There's no being out there full time week in and week out uh, gives you more of an opportunity to get off track or get in a rut. I thought it was interesting what they did with the car, though. You know, Friday Q1 and there were four qualifiers. For those who don't know, there were four qualifying sessions because of a four lane race. They want each driver, each car to have a shot in every lane before you go racing. So on the first qualifying session, they came out and wounded a motor. The second qualifying session, they came out and made a good clean run down the racetrack. And then they didn't run the car at all on Saturday. They just left it in the box and then rolled the thing out Saturday, Sunday morning. Um, and for you know Scott to be confident enough that I know what I'm doing. I can send my car down there. It's going to be consistent. And again, not trying to run 368, just trying to make a good solid run down the racetrack and let Spencer take it from there. And that's exactly what they did. That is exactly what they did. And that's what Scott Graham said. He goes, I got Spencer Massey. I'm not going to, I'm not going to mess this up. Uh, no need to kill some parts. And that's exactly what went, what went down. Hey, our friend Eddie from uh, Garofalo's is out there. After hey. you guys, great weekend. Great seeing you. <laughs> this guy ruined my weight loss program single-handedly, Eddie. You ruined it, Eddie. I <laughs> I'm trying to figure out. He, was very kind. I bumped into him at the racetrack on Sunday morning. Literally, when I was walking in, he was. And he says, "Hey, I got a T-shirt for you." And I thought, "Wow, that's really nice." And then he gave me a double X. I'm thinking, yeah. does does he expect me to come eat there more? Because, I mean, I'm not quite double X, Eddie. I'm just saying, I'm not. He's planning ahead for you. No, where you go? He's planning ahead. No, it was great. No. We had a good time. And and you know, I mentioned them on the air. And then I thought, like, maybe that's a bad idea. I should not tell everybody about Eddie's place because then it'll be like, you know, Yogi Berra says nobody goes there anymore because it's too crowded. Right. So. No, it was it, it, the place is just a couple of miles from the racetrack. If there's anybody that lives in the Charlotte area or if you ever get out there on business, stop by. You will not be disappointed. But it was funny when we walked in and it's like, oh, look, there's the Torrance Group. Oh, look, there's Antron. Oh, look, uh, there's Frank Manzo. Oh, look, there's and uh, and it's like. What what's Brian Karate doing in the kitchen? <laughs> yeah. I, I saw him at the racetrack yesterday. They were making some hits with Antron's car as well. And I said something about it. He said, ah, I just love going over there and messing around with Pete and Eddie and the guys. And he said, I'm there. I'm going to make what I want. So uh, it was, but it's great place, great food, fun atmosphere. Um, if you're, if you're in Charlotte, either if you live there, if you're ever swinging through there on business and you're in the, if you're in an Italian mood, Swing on by. Exactly. And they treat the Warner Brothers the same as they do the Pittsburgh Steelers and Penguins. And so that gives you a little insight. I wanted to share one other photo. Something happened. A couple of streaks got broken. Brittany forces back-to-back uh, -back, did not become three in a row, and she did not complete the uh, four-wide sweep of the season. And Steve Torrance's, what was it, four or five in a row out there at Charlotte uh, dropped but, uh, you know, that's that's unfortunate. And the questions about Steve, which I think aren't aren't a, a terrible thing. Right. Like let people question the champion. But I did want to share something that I saw. You may recall, Alan, late in the day, we, we did not get to do our normal parade of champions. And so they asked me to go down to the top end to interview the champions. And so right. I got on our 
pathetically slow golf cart and I pedaled my way down there and it was so frustrating Alan, like listening to you calling finals and I'm like just slowing slow going down there but uh, I got down to the top end and who's down there hanging out just hanging out Steve Torrance and gathered around the little area and, and people don't really know what this looks like maybe you've seen it but there's a little a screen where you know Jamie Howe or whoever's working top end can kind of watch and monitor what's going on and all the PR reps are there and everyone's there and Steve is there and Steve is just hanging out. He could have been blazed out of there, right? He could have been gone. You know, he is hanging out. He could have been annoyed that he lost. And the final and top fuel goes down there. And the first thing out of Steve's mouth, everyone's like trying to figure out what went down and, and who won what and where to go. And the first thing Steve says, sorry, Steve, by the way, telling your private business here, but I think it's good for the story. Steve goes, Cam got runner up. And Cam turns the corner and this is what happened. Steve goes walking over to Cam and gives Cam Foray a big hug. And I want everybody to know and see this because there are still some you know, fans that can't let go of the thing that happened five years ago. And I just want everybody to know and understand that that is so in the past. Look at this, understand this, recognize this, realize this, that not only is that in the past, but these two have become like good and supportive friends. And That's Photoshopped. It's conspiracy theory Costello has got the conspiracy theory. It was a genuine moment, like off camera. Nobody saw it. I pulled out my camera and captured it. And I sent the photo to both of them, by the way, because, you know, uh, Camp Foray, man, like we got to get him out there full time as best as he wants to do it. And uh, Steve Torrance recognized that he went, he beelined over there to Cam and gave him congratulations on the runner up. And he told me that had he won, he was going to just tackle him. That was the plan to just like lower the shoulder and tackle him. And he was also there for Mike Salinas too. And so that's the kind of guy Steve Torrance is when the cameras aren't around and following him a little bit of a spy report there. I just thought it was a very cool moment. Well, didn't John Stewart say earlier in the weekend, me, Dom and Bobby put this thing together. And so was about Wurzel's car, but probably Peyton's oh, was it Wurzel's? Okay. Yeah, you're, you're right. But I but think that uh, that's what they're yeah. doing. Stewie, Stewie was hanging out with uh, with the Peyton team on Monday uh, because they had uh, a driver that was driving the car that was was trying to get licensed that was making runs, and Stewie was hanging around with him. But, you know, there's there's definitely a lot of camaraderie off the racetrack, and sometimes emotions boil over when you're in the heat of battle. And, uh, you know, usually once the uh, once the boil goes back to simmer, you know, everybody's everybody's good again. You know, you I don't know. Anybody that's ever competed, I think, has had a time where they just want to punch somebody. And then, you know, after the game is over, you go, you know, that wouldn't, I would have done the same thing to him. I, you know, it's just a moment thing, and you just got to get past the moment. Well, exactly. And, well, but the fans should learn that, too. And that's why I'm saying. And it's like, hey, if anybody <laughs> out there is still hanging on to something from five years ago, maybe that will help you get over it. Like, I want to help <laughs> people let go of their, uh, you know, being dissatisfied or bothered. Uh, any other thoughts you want to mention about Top Fuel before we move on to Pro Stock Motorcycle, another category that had just some, uh, you know, wildness? Well, uh, just one little note. Uh, Leah Pruitt had a brand new car that they were testing on Monday, literally a brand new car. They were just making a couple of runs with it, uh, you know, trying to get comfortable with it and before they stick it in the top of the trailer as a backup. But I think that uh, <laughs> talk, to, talk to Neil Strauss a little bit out there, and he's like, what do we got to do? He says, you know, it, in – with the run she made, she would have advanced, I believe, in every other quad except the one she was in. And, uh, you know, the fact that they seem to be doing everything right and still not getting any results, 
but they're uh, you know just going to keep going to keep pressing, going to keep pressing. As a bracket racer, you know that you can go out there and go to the you know go to the finals three weeks in a row and then get bounced first or second round three weeks in a row, doing exactly the same thing. Right. Sometimes, sometimes it works. Sometimes those little numbers fall your way. Sometimes those little numbers fall the other way. Some, and you just can't get out of your game. If you know, if you're going out there and you're turning it red or going, you know, 085 on the tree every third run. Okay. You need to work on that. But if you're going out there and you're doing a solid job and you're just not getting the results because everything's falling the wrong way, I don't think you revamp your whole game plan. I, you know, I think I've watched enough people, enough guys do this over the years. It's like, I'm doing everything right, and if I keep doing everything right, the results are going to swing back around in the other direction. Do you know what kind of chassis is it? Is it a DSR or is it a, a Morgan I, Lucas? Or? I, I believe it's a DSR, but I couldn't. I, I did. It's a canopy car, so I just kind of assumed that it came from DSR. Okay, no, that's a that's a good bet. And I was wondering if they're going to stay with the program that they've always known, or venture out into new territory and try to explore uh, some other things. But yeah, Leah. I'm not worried about them right at the start of the either. year, the whole, the whole Tony Stewart drag racing and who's going to be their crew chief and what are they going to do and all of that. There was a lot of like wonder and their progress has been unbelievable. So just, they keep on doing what they're doing. It's going to go the right way for them. Uh, definitely. Uh, Pro stock motorcycle, Stevie J. <laughs> wow. Steve Johnson. Steve speak, Johnson. Speak, speak, speaking of, do you ever want to punch somebody after the game? <laughs> Wow. Yeah, Steve. Well, last week on WFO, Alan, I don't know if you saw it or just heard about it, but he went into like a routine and I know he was trying to be funny and also trying to annoy the competition. Like that's it what worked. he was doing. The and second it, part of it worked. It definitely worked. It was the very part. good quality. He annoyed the competition and then went out there and ran over him. Right. Like yeah. he, he, he ran over him, won back to back races. Steve Johnson was, you know, low of, of race day and, and, got through angie went red up against him in that uh in that second quad and then the final round you got karen who was dominant you got joey gladstone trying to get a win eddie Craywick, and it was steve johnson in another zip code and he won the race and was very uh it was neat to watch him down there he and force winning again side by side like they won last year and they won again together and they had a couple of moments in the media center uh this being one of them like they're both talkers and they're both personalities and they both wear their emotions on the sleeve. And everybody just thought it was great. Force gave his props to Steve Johnson, which was really cool. But now Steve Johnson, you know, is this guy the favorite right now? I think so. I think, you know, from what I've seen uh, by the small sample size we've got so far this year, the only person that seems to be able to run stride for stride with him is Karen. Uh, you know, Matt is still working on getting his Suzuki program up to speed where it needs to be. Uh, after years and years of working on the Buells, making switch to Suzuki, I think everybody understood that you know, he probably wasn't going to come out and win the first five races. But I also think that if anybody that knows Matt and what his work ethic is, and you know, he and Angie, I'm sure, are just going to be locked in the engine shop from now until the next race, trying to find a little more, trying to trying to refine the stuff that they've got. Uh, and I think that you know, everybody knows Matt is going to catch up. He just, you know, he's he's starting off a little behind because he's been spending all the time on the V-Twins the last few years. Uh, but right now, that that looks like the class of the field. You know, the Vance and Hines bikes are running pretty good. 
but not quite the level that Steve is right now. And I did, uh, Gianna Salinas was out there on Monday and got back on the bike. Uh, I just saw one of the runs while I was there, so I don't know if she's officially ready to come back and, and get on and get back in competition, but she was there and, and made at least one run that I saw, so hopefully she'll get back in the mix. Uh, maybe that'll help the learning curve. I thought it was cool that Jimmy Underdahl went 200 miles an hour. You know, he's been just, I, I don't think anybody's run more 198, 199 without getting it than him. So when it did finally happen this weekend, that was a pretty special moment for them. And again, that's a bike that has got, uh, you know, the Scrappers team has the alliance with, with Matt Smith. So they've got plenty of resources over there uh, and they've got plenty of guys and gals to share information with over there. And they're going to be catching up, I think, in a hurry. Stephen Glenn says his wife is still upset that Warren Johnson called Scott Jeffrey on a punk. And then Lonnie <laughs> says, I thought Warren called Dave Connolly a punk. And I actually think he called them both punks at some point. But um, yeah, I guess the fans, you know, old uh, old uh, habits die hard. You know, since you brought it up, Sunday night after the race was over, uh, I went to a local eating establishment where the waitresses wear orange and they serve wings to have a beer and, and have some wings and watch the uh, the NHRA on Fox show. And I'm sitting there, just a couple of fans, and so we're sitting there, and they're like, hey, aren't you? Yeah, da, da. so we strike up a little conversation. Uh, about a half hour or so later, Robert Height comes in. He's by himself, and he goes and sits down at the end of the bar by himself and say, hey, Robert, come down, join us. And so he comes down, sits with us, says hi, we start. And the fans, you know, the first thing the guy says, he said, look, he said, I got to tell you, he says, I loved you guys until you went to Ford. He says, I've never been a Ford guy, I've never been, and he said, and Robert's like, you know, well, you know, we went to Chevy six years ago. Yeah, but you know, that's, uh, I just can't do that. And so over the course of sitting there in the evening and, and you know, having just a friendly discussion and watching the show, uh, they both now are big Robert Height fans. So that's, you know, sometimes the only thing you gotta do to bury the grudge is really think about why are you holding on to it this long in the first place? Right. And when you get an opportunity to get to know somebody, uh, I think it'll change your perspective a lot. And that's one of the things I, again, I just love about NHRA. The fact that Robert Height can walk in to a public restaurant by himself, sit down, strike up a conversation with a couple of fans and have a good evening. And I just don't know that there's a lot of professional race drivers in other series that would do that Sunday after the race. Um, I think, you know, most of them are afraid they go in, they get mobbed, they get, and they're not willing to take the chance. But I think the fact that drag racers do is pretty special. I agree. I think that's the best thing about our sport. And, and uh, just like I was talking about Eddie, Eddie, by the way, says he, you know, he just wanted you to be comfortable in the 2X. Now. He, just, <laughs> he just wants you to be calm. I know you're a tall guy. I didn't want you to be uncomfortable. Plus, you know, I know how to eat. So uh, there, there it is. Thank you, Eddie. That was great. Uh, mine, on the other hand, is a large. So just saying. But um, that's what's great about drag racing is that we're not there yet. And like, I didn't want to ruin the atmosphere and making it too mobbed over there at the restaurant. Like, we want to grow but we don't ever want to lose that because there was a time where you could go into a restaurant or a bar around Daytona, Daytona 500 week, and Earnhardt would be sitting there. There was a, an era when that was happening. And then that era was an era gone by. And now it's totally impossible that you'll go see, you know, Kyle Larson sitting in a restaurant in a booth because he would just be like, you know, like you don't see the Beatles sitting in there because they would be mobbed and the women would chase him all around. Um, we can't lose that. And you know what's well, great? I, I, I just want to say, sure. Tony Stewart standing in front of his pit, just standing there, and a bunch of fans just standing there with him. And I saw him sign an autograph, but nobody like 
mobbed him in a way that appeared to make him feel uncomfortable. And I was proud of our fans in that moment because that doesn't happen in some other places. Well, part of the part of it, I think, is just our access policy to start with. You know, if you're a hardcore fan and you want a Robert Hyde autograph, if you go to the races, you already have it because you hang out at the ropes at the back of the holler. He comes out, he does, and just like everybody else, you've got the opportunity to do that. One of the things that I think, you know, makes makes it an issue on NASCAR's side of the fence, and I'm not bagging on NASCAR, okay, so don't send me emails and say, Reinhardt hates NASCAR, but they have walled off their drivers from the casual fan or from the average fan to the point that if all I've got is, you know, a seat in section B, row four, seat five to go watch the race, I'm not going to get to see Kyle Larson to get an autograph. So if I see him at a restaurant someplace, now's my chance. Yep. i got to jump on that. And, you know, NHRA's all access and wide open pits, I think, makes it so much easier for the drivers to go out in public simply because of that reason. If you want an autograph from the stars of the sport, if you come to the races, you've already got it. You've had plenty of opportunity to get it. But, you know, you can't, and again, you can't just go buy a ticket to a NASCAR race and have a realistic expectation of getting a Chase Elliott autograph. And so if you see Chase someplace, you, you have to run him down. That's just, that might be your only opportunity. You know, the, and the NASCAR drivers, a lot of them that, you know, will do meet and greets and go do things with their sponsors before the race, which is wonderful, but they still don't give fans the access that we do. And yes, I completely understand that once they get in the car, it's not like, you know, they're gonna have a break during the day, but, uh, it's just they're they're so walled off from the casual fan that I think the casual fans, if they see them in a public arena, then that's an opportunity for them, um, you know, that they may not get again. So you got to try to take advantage of. It. Exactly. No, it's as simple as that. Just a, a final thought, Monica, mentioning you know the people that are saying they're no longer going to be a fan of Ron Caps. We uh, when we last parted ways, it was unknown, Alan, which manufacturer Ron Caps would be joining up with, but we were all enlightened at the track when they rolled out the Toyota. And I, I just want to say, like, my arc of, of uh, understanding, General Motors guy, Pontiac guy, Pontiac went away. Now I've got a Cadillac. i got a Pontiac, right? Uh, there, were, there was a time when Toyota came in to NASCAR and to NHRA where I was unsure of whether or whether or not, you know, I thought that was a good thing. Now, many years later, I've totally evolved, totally understand. It's absolutely a good thing for Ron Caps, the independent entrepreneurial businessman, he should accept whichever manufacturer appreciates him the most, right? Like, all right, who appreciates me? Who wants to help me achieve my goals and pay these guys who stayed with me and put food, literally food on my plate because he didn't have, you know, Schumacher Electric. He like, was not a captain of industry. He's a race car driver who bought his team. It's very important that he has strong manufacturer uh, support. And who comes along and says, we value you, Ron. We value you, and it's Toyota. You cannot blame Ron Caps for that, and so people will have to make a choice, right? It's just like in Formula One, when your favorite driver goes from Mercedes to Ferrari. Like, who do you like? Do you like Mercedes better, or do you like the driver better? What are you? You a fan of Ron Caps, or are you not a fan of Ron Caps? If you're a fan of Ron Caps, you got to root for Ron Caps, and Toyota is his team, and that's it. And maybe even check out a Toyota, because they value the guy that you value. It's kind of an interesting dynamic. As, it, as we see it with one of our biggest stars. 
It is, but I think from spending time in the Dodge world when I was working on the Dodge Pro Stock program years ago, there are some hardcore Mopar or no car fans. Yes. They root for the Dodgers. They root for the Dodgers. They root for the Dodgers. And some of them are now saying, okay, Matt Hagen's my guy. That's it. I'm going to root for Matt Hagen. And I got no problem with that. If you're coming out there to do a, my brand is better than yours, or, you know, my favorite make of car is the best one out there. And I'm going to root for everybody that's driving brand XYZ. That's fine. Ron's no longer on your team. So now you get excited when Matt Hagen kicks Ron's butt. I'm fine with that. If you're a Ron Caps fan, then you're a Ron Caps fan. But I think that, you know, I, when I was younger, you know, Ford, 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 right? If somebody drove a Chevy, eh, then, you know, they're brand X, they're, you know, generic. They're, um, wasn't really much of a Dodge guy until I bought one. And when I had a 70 Roadrunner for a while that I drove on the street, raced, and it, it's like, you know what? This is kind of a nice car from a performance standpoint. There's a lot of stuff you can do with this. And as I've gotten a little older, I've realized that the, the car has no idea what badge is on the hood. So it's either a good car, or it's not a good car. And you know, you, you can buy any make model car and get one that's gonna last 400,000 miles or haul ass down the road or get great mileage or do whatever you wanted to do. Or you could potentially get one that's a lemon. Although the lemons are not as, uh, there aren't as many lemons coming out these days just simply no. because quality control is so much higher. But I am not going to throw rocks at somebody simply because they drive a particular car um, I am out there and I want us to have good competition. I want us to have good competition between the manufacturers. I want it to be spirited. I wish, I wish when somebody driving a Dodge gets out of the car, I, I hope when Matt Hagen beats Ron Caps the next time that he would get out of the car and go, yeah, Mopar pays me to make sure that guy stays out of the winner circle now. You know, he used to be on our team. He ditched us, so I'm here to kick his tail. That's not disrespectful. That's not, but that's the truth, isn't it? Yes. Isn't it? That Dodge is out there trying to make sure that Chevrolet and Ford and Toyota don't make it to the winner circle. So why not be a little more vocal about that? I, I would love to see more of the brand stuff come out uh, as far as, you know, hey, my job is to beat them. That's what I'm here for. That's what I did. Well, exactly. And, you know, like the tie into Formula One, there are Ferrari fans. And like Sebastian Vettel, we love him. All right, he's gone. We don't love him anymore. Fernando Alonso, yeah, he's coming to Ferrari. He's going to ride for this new Drea. That's going to be great. Oh, he's gone. Boo. We don't like him anymore. There's, there's multiple things. So the Dodge fans are rooting for the Dodge guys, and guys are coming and going. And the Toyota fans are rooting for Toyota guys, and guys are coming and going. Maybe you hated Caps last week. You love Caps now. It's very interesting. Hey, look, we got a celebrity. Fabrizi. Well, hey. crap, I'm late. Fabrizi. <laughs> this guy. I was late too, Tim. Yeah, Tim, congratulations, bud. Look at Tim yeah. for reasons there. WFO listener on his break. We have a celebrity audience, guys. All right, let's talk uh, 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 Fuel Tech Pro Mod because that was a crazy final round. And it was um, another moment. Like Stan Shelton and the Screw Supercharger, Lyle Barnett, Chris Thorne, who ends up winning and goes back-to-back in Tricky Ricky. So we got a great final round. I'm down there watching the TV I told you guys about. I don't know if you heard me, Alan, but I know you couldn't see over there. And Ned Walliser... And I are watching, and Ned's like, dude, he's over the line. And, and everyone's expecting him to try to get staged, except he's already over the starting line. And so bump in as much as he wants. That light's not coming on. And so I jumped on the radio. I was like, he's over the line. And it, 
you know, it was an S. Uh, it was bad. But the best part well, was when they got out of the car, man, everybody was yelling at everybody except for Chris Thorne. He was happy. Yeah, he should be happy. He won the race. I, it was fun to have a final four wide with four different power adders. Chris Thorne with the Pro Charger, Ricky Smith with Nitrous, Stan Shelton with the Screw Charger, and the turbos of Lyle Barnett. But what happened, and as when we could go back and see the replay, I had a better feel for what happened. And one of the things that, you know, from where the announcer booth is at ZMAX Dragway, when there's a wall of people standing up there in front of the starting line, you can't see the cars. Right. And so it, I couldn't, you know, I was watching as they come into stage and it's like, wow, Stan Shelton double bulbed everybody. And then the bulbs went out and I thought, okay, he must've backed up. I couldn't tell that he was over the line. So the other ones are pulling in and they're doing their deal. And then Stan, I guess, tried to back out and then tried to pull forward again. And whether he was having a trans brake issue or something else, I couldn't tell you, but he ended up going in and then rolling through again. The second time he rolled through, now Stan is in lane three, Ricky is in lane two, and if you know the four wide tree, and this is where I'm relying on hardcore fans here to understand the four wide tree, the second time that Stan went up and rolled through, Ricky thought that was him. So when he released it, because he, I, as I understand it, you were down there, he got down there and started screaming. Everybody's like, my light went out, my light went out, my light went out. It's like, yep. no, Ricky, that was his light. Yours was over there. But Ricky now has left before the tree. Stan Shelton was over stage, so he's already disqualified. That left only two cars to race for it. And Chris Thorne ended up getting the better of, uh, of Lyle Burnett. So it was, a, it was a bit of a wacky final round. But, uh, yeah, Chris Thorne, Chris Thorne made it happen. I thought the debut of the Screw Supercharger, because Stan's the first one to bring one out, qualified right in the middle of the field. So it, you know, I think there's probably uh, still some some tweaking and some tuning that you could do with the car, right? The first time you come out and then you're going to make some runs and go, okay, well, maybe if I had a little different converter, a little different ratio, a little different something, we could maximize. But I think that it showed that NHRA's tech department, when they were doing their due diligence before they allowed it in, they didn't cripple it to the point that it can't be competitive at all. And they didn't let it roll in there with such a huge advantage that it's going to run away from the field. It's starting off right in the middle. And now if something needs to be tweaked or something needs to be changed, it can be. But, uh, you know, those cars are crazy enough when they're two wide. When they're four wide, it's, it's even crazier. And having four different power adders in the final round was pretty cool, I thought. Yes, but Chris Thorne has now won the first few races of the year. And uh, that's, you know, he's, I don't want to say he's running away with it, but he's got a, a good start. You know, what is it? It's a 10-race schedule this year again, yes? And so yes. that's, that's, he's got 20% wins. It's going to, and he's not slowing down by any means. Man, uh, it, Lyle Barnett was awesome. <laughs> I I went up to him. I was like, hey, you got runner. He goes, what happened up there? I go, he was over the line. He goes, well, he's stupid. <laughs> I, uh, just go down there and record these pro mod guys' reactions to each other. Where Kurt, was Kurt? Was he Kurt, there? He was, but he was. it was happening all at the same time as like the Mike Salinas. Uh, uh, like everything was happening at the same time, unfortunately. And it was just hysterical. Everyone was yelling at each other and Ricky walking around. And it was just chaos it was chaos yeah i bumped into lyle at uh, at the same hooters that i bumped into robert at on sunday night and we chit-chatted about it a little bit and he was the same thing he, by that point he was just like you know what the whole thing was silly and it's funny and i got runner-up so let's just move on to the next one we don't have to do four white again for a while and that's kind of i think where where his head was by the time it was all over with 
Exactly. And then everyone's saying you guys need a new location to announce from. Yeah, we know. And they know too. And we're working on it. And they were really kind to us. And let's just uh, leave it at that, I think. Um, well, although- I, to, to, to be fair, when they built the racetrack, um, you know, it's, it's a NASCAR oriented. And when they built the racetrack, if you stand in the announcer booth when there's nothing happening, you still can't really see lanes three and four very well. It's not the ideal location, but if you're standing there, you look out and go, okay, well, this isn't a bad view, but I don't think that they kind of took into consideration what happens when they've got funny cars in front of you with the body up. What happens when there's a wall of people across the starting line? What happens when, and uh, there was some discussion, uh, started back in 2019, Greg Walther, who is the general manager of the racetrack, uh, he and I talked about it and he said, I will find a way to get you in a better place. Well, then 2020 and kind of stuff. But uh, we had a, another discussion this weekend and I think it's gonna happen. It just, uh, for me, it couldn't happen fast enough, but I do appreciate the fact that the racetrack realizes this is something that needs to be addressed. It's just a matter of doing it. And it's not as easy as just going, okay, we'll just move the guys up a floor because every suite in that place is rented. So, you you know, how do you go in and tell WFO, I know you paid for this suite, but, <laughs> We're going to take half of it and give it to the announcing staff. So, you know, trying to make all that work. And they are putting legitimate effort into fixing that. And I applaud them for that. And I very much charge, they can charge more for the suite because it's got access to the announcer booth, right? Like you can watch the animals at the zoo as we are trying to call races. The, you know, see when, the announcers. When we're up there cussing and throwing stuff at each other, do you really want people to see that? Yeah, I do. I think it would be great. What do you mean? I would be great. They would love it. We might get a tip. Who knows? Mark Stockseth out there. Over the line, Smokey. Mark at zero. Way to go, Mark. Bonus points for you with a Lebowski quote. That's good. Yeah, I, you know, in a, in a two-wide race, that's an easy call. Because as soon as Stan goes over the line, flip the switch and go. But in a four-wide race, if the other three cars aren't fully staged, you don't want to disqualify two guys because one guy made a mistake. And so it's, uh, you know, you just go, it's another level that has to be considered. uh, Uh Uh-oh. All down on the starting line. Excellent. All right, let's get going. You've been on a while. I don't want to lose the connection. Factory Stock Showdown, four wide, first ever. And it's uh, Bill Skillman, who was running two cars out there. I loved four wide factory stock. Took me a couple qualifying sessions to get to watch it. They're so equal. Those four cars... They're big, these big cars. I think they look great out there four wide. I loved it, and uh, I can't wait to see it again. Did we lose you? Yeah, I, you're breaking up a little bit on my end. I hope you can hear me clear on your end. But, yeah, you know, Skillman had a great car. Uh, the Blackbird, oh, my God. If he decides to sell that thing, you know, Jeff Turk has said that he's got his factory X car coming uh, and that this was potentially the last flight of the Blackbird. If that car goes up for sale, I think there's going to be a bidding war over it as fast as it was running out there. But we've got a solid contingent of Mopars out there, DSR getting very heavily involved, and we all know the Chevrolets aren't going anywhere. So the first time they were four wide, I think they put on a heck of a show. Yes, absolutely. Other winners, uh, Matt Gill winning in a top alcohol uh, funny car, uh, Tom Ratliff in Comp Eliminator, Joe Lisa in Super Stock, Darren Poole Adams in Stock Eliminator, Mike Handris, Super Comp, Craig Porter, Super Gas, Jason Bader. That's I've my basically buddy. completely lost you. Oh, you have? I'm going to try to go out and come back in. Try to go out and come back in. Do it. Do it. There he goes. There goes Reinhardt, guys. There goes Reinhardt. And now is the time where I will tell you, we're waiting on Reinhardt to come back in, about the people who make it possible, right? Like Marvin Rodak. Look, guys, coffee, hot sauce, spice rub, 
everything good for grills, grills, tools, tips, information, like outdoor kitchens. This guy's got it all. He's in Fort Worth, Texas. Give him a call. Try it out. 817-924-6821. That's Marvin. What's up, Marvin? Hopefully you're well. Frank Hawley's Drag Racing School. The Dragster Adventure, like you driving a Dragster. Sure, you could get your alcohol funny car license. Yes, you can get your Super Comp or Super Gas license. But why not, like a regular race fan, just wait for them to come to your part of the country and drive a Dragster. Go to frankhawley.com. And then, of course, there's samtech.edu, the School of Automotive Machinists and Technology for the next generation of machinists, crew members, EFI tuners, samtech.edu. Let's bring Reinhardt back. Let's see. How about now? Is that better? Yeah. Oh my uh, gosh. It's better for the moment anyway. So I don't know. I don't know if something wacky happened on my end or something, but I just lost it. But now the first time the Samtech uh, factory or the constant aviation factory stock showdown was going for wide. Boy, the Dodgers have got a solid contention out there now. They've added a couple of cars and a couple of drivers. And of course, the DSR support is helping. And uh, and Skillman just made it happen by the end of the day. He had himself a really good race car. Excellent. All right. So you're starting to break up. So let's just part ways. Great job as usual, Alan. Great job as usual. I'm going to try one more thing. Okay. I'm going to try one more thing. He's going to try something. Let's see what he's going to try. This is interesting. Like we're all he's trying. So I'm going to just kick him out. Just kicked him out. Jim. Hey, Jim, must really piss you off when you get your butt handed to you by a Fiat. Oh, man. Talking about uh, Jim and the Dodge guys driving Fiats. Oh, see, there's a fight is broken out in the chat section. The chat bleachers. People are fighting forward to the front. Where's my Pontiac people at? When do you think Factory X will race? Well, from what I understand, Jeff Turk has got the one that is most closely uh, ready to hit the track. Stan says, uh, Saturday used to be a sellout at the four wide and Sunday was close. No longer the case. Friday was pathetic this year. You know, there was a lot of things going on in town. There was Jimmy Buffett and there was, what was it? Kenny Chesney. And there was a lot of concerts and there were a lot of things going on in town. So, uh, I, I felt like Saturday's crowd was good. Alan. Hey. All right. I, uh, scrapped my, scrapped my air card and went to my phone. So we'll see if that, if that's better. Excellent. All right. So just final thoughts on the race winners, Matt Peterson, the junior dragster, Randall Anderson, top fuel, Harley. First time this year, Scott Neal, top dragster, my buddy, Jason Bader wins super street. That was so great for me personally to watch him go out there and win in his dad's car. Craig Porter, Mike Handers, Darren Poole Adams, first win for him. Joe Lisa, Tom Ratliff, uh, your thoughts. Just that it was a good race. You know, we had a little bit of a threat of weather on Sunday, so we started a little early and we're kind of on a, a hustle-up schedule. So, unfortunately, as you mentioned earlier, we didn't get a chance to do our normal parade of champions, but at least we did get, did get to hear from the winners. Uh, you know, the Mahalik brothers uh, picking up another win in alcohol drag, so they were pretty excited about that. And, uh, you know, the Killer Bees, they're, uh, they're trying to come back after Doug Gordon ran off three in a row, counting two nationals and a regional. So, uh, you know, Bartone and Bellamere and Boggs needed to uh, get, get back on track before he goes out and strings too many points together. But I thought, uh, overall, I thought it was a pretty good race. You know, it was a, it was a very clean event. Um, you know, not a whole lot of, uh, you know, not a whole lot of carnage, not a whole lot of uh, bad things happening to good race cars. Uh, so uh, I'll take it. I will take it as well. Yeah, we got to update the NHRA results. Uh, the Mahalik brothers not on there. Big shout out to those guys winning again. And uh, and the Killer Bees, best in the business. All right, Alan, great job as usual. Thank you for jumping right off a plane and coming right on WFO. We really appreciate that. Glad it all worked out. Take care. I hope everybody has a great weekend off. Enjoy Mother's Day. And uh, I'll chat with you next Tuesday. All right, Alan, thank you so much. Appreciate you. See you uh, next week. There he goes, Alan Reinhart with us here 
on WFO Radio. All right. We got it in, baby. We got it in. All right. Here's the deal. Put your comments in the comment section. And let's get out of here with a couple of great comments. So I did want to mention, I mentioned it earlier, but, uh, you know, the, the Jason Bader Super Street victory was tremendous. It was, uh, again, somebody that I've known forever. And they got back into NHRA drag racing with their family. And he's been knocking at the door and, and out there doing the whole social thing, hanging out with everybody. And he won the race, beat Keith Mayers in the final round. That's like beating a pro. That's like beating John Force. Ran into a gentleman. He had the certified patron pin right next to his fire department pin in his wallet. He showed me at the Nitro School, and I was just like blown away. And uh, he loves being a Patreon. So if you want to join the WFO Radio Patreons, go to WFORadio.com, VIP membership, some behind-the-scenes content, and uh, you'll get a pin if you become a patron. Uh, there are yearly memberships available as well. Shout out to our sponsors, the people who make it possible, like FTI Performance Racing Transmissions. FTI is on board thanks to Paul Lee. All the spring flings, like tracking all the FTI transmission and torque converter cars is really challenging. All you got to do is wait to the final round, and there most of them are. FTIPerformance.com in Deland, Florida. Check them out and appreciate FTI being on board, as well as VP Racing Fuels. In the coming weeks, we're going to learn a little bit more. Freddie's going to come on and tell us about the science behind VP Racing Fuels. But as you can see, I had to pick up a little fuel additive. You all can do the same thing when you go to your local auto parts store. And when you're picking from a vast selection, what is one of the reasons you should pick one over the other? And the answer is WFO Radio and the support of us. I really appreciate VP being on board and we're learning more about them each and every day. VP Lubricants as well. Total Seal Piston Rings. The Greg Anderson episode is the top of the list right now on the podcast feed, but new episodes getting ready to drop, kicking it back to PRI. Some really good stuff. Totalseal.com to order rings, to research rings, to find out more information. And Keith Jones always says, have them call me, Joe. Keith Jones at Total Seal. If you've got questions and make them your first call, not your last call. Folks at Phillips Connect. Over-the-road trucks, trailers, sensors. This is a technology industry. You think about all the trucks that are going over the road. Big fleets, giant fleets. They've got to keep their drivers safe. They've got to get people on the road safe. They've got to make sure their stuff gets there on time. And Jim Epler and the team over there at Phillips Connect have done a great job of making those available. It's a, recent, it's a relatively new company. We're going to be learning more about them in the coming weeks. All I know is Justin Ashley was the number one qualifier for the first time in his career. And he got emotional. And he said flat out, he goes, you know, you build a team and he goes, I know we've won races, but this is a first, the first time we've done it. And it means a lot. Go to phillips-connect.com to find out more information, especially if you're in the trailer industry. If you have got a trailer dealership or you build trailers to find out how Phillips Connect can uh, level you up. And for all of our WFO Radio listeners, you can help out by just following them on Twitter. Go to their Twitter page and follow them. Uh, they just started it. And so their numbers are low. We want their numbers to go high. Uh, Phillips-connect.com. Uh, of course, samtech.edu, Frank Hawley's Drag Racing School, and Marvin Rodak's coffeeandgrills.com. All right, let's see what everybody's got to say before we get out of here. Uh, people have been asking me about the WFO store. I'm really excited about the gear we've got out there, but there's more coming soon. So be ready. And they have sales on a pretty regular basis. And so I will let you know when there is a sale going on with WFO gear. And our man Eddie was actually wearing a little WFO gear out there when I hung out with him. And Reinhardt, 
was like, man, the shirt's too big, Eddie. There's Eddie with his wide F and open T-shirt. All right, let's see what people have to say before we get out of here. Another great show, as always. Thank you, Jim. Appreciate you, Jeff. Great WFO sponsor, Total Seal Factory Tour. was great. Thanks, Alan and Joe. That's awesome. Go watch it on Facebook. Uh, I have to tell you, Joe, attention to the pits, great segments. I watch those all weekend, even the old ones. Thank you, says Art. Thank you, Art, for saying that. Uh, we got a new one we're doing called Designated, which we are going and interviewing drivers before and after they race in Stock Eliminator. And it seems to be very well received. Honestly, I wish we would get some more shares, but it's a hardcore racing feature. It's not like, do you like Camaros? It's like, do you want to know what's going on in the mind of the racers as they get ready to race each other? It's like talking to two fighters before they step in the ring. What do you think of this guy's style? How are you going to counteract it? You can find that on NHRA social media as well. Run the fall Charlotte Vegas four wide. Having pro stock withdrawals. Yeah, me too. Not having pro stock there is tough, but they'll be back in the fall. Wonderful show. Wonderful. Wonderful. I'm wearing my Formula One gear. Fantastic show as always. Everybody go watch the Ignition Show. The Ignition Show is up on uh, YouTube. The Patreon co-hosts are there. Sue Morris talks about our first race in Super Street. We show you a little behind the scenes out there at the Formula One track. Scott Malpa says, Pickle Rick. What's up, Pickle Rick? Looking forward to September at ZMAX. Yeah, let's hope we can pack that place. You missed top fuel first round completely. That's not good. Looking forward to the next year, four wide. Four wide was good, guys. Those people who don't like it got to just get over it because it's good. It's different. Underdogs can win. Underdogs can get to the final round. Always great insight. Thank you, Lister 5.0. Good show. There you go. Appreciate everybody out there. Thank you so much. Now, there is a lot of crossover between NHRA drag racing fans and Formula One fans. And I believe that it's because of the extreme nature of both of those. Like IndyCar is cool, but it's not the ragged edge that drag racing and like IndyCar at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway is absolutely the ragged edge. Those guys are going 220 miles an hour around corners. Like that's the ragged edge. The Formula One is that way on a regular basis. And I'm super excited. So if you want to follow me, WFO Joe, on Instagram and on Twitter, this weekend you're going to be getting a lot of Formula One behind the scenes insight. Our Patreons will at, will as well. And yeah, I'm rocking my F1 gear and trying to entice Michael Heiner to come on and do a little NHRA Talks F1. Because I am super excited. Imagine wherever you live, wherever it is, and think of a spot that's less than five miles away that they built a Formula One track, and they're going to race there. It's pure insanity. Go check out the Ignition Show. Looks like that up there in the feet. Now, tomorrow at noon, Mike Salinas going to join us. Tomorrow at noon. Thursday, John Force, 2 o'clock Eastern. And you can download the WFO Radio mobile application. We're getting ready to submit an update, which is going to make it easier to use and easier to read. It was a great weekend out there. Just hanging out on the track. Thanks to Mark Jones for coming on the show. Thanks to everybody who supports this program. And we really appreciate you. This was a big moment right here. We'll have Steve Johnson next week. I'm hearing some of the ladies are getting angry that Steve Johnson is like stirring up the uh, the lady racers. I don't know, guys. Like, I think Steve is just having fun with his fellow competitors. I don't think it means anything by it. I think that's uh, 
that's kind of his strategy. I guess we'll see. All right, guys, WFO, we'll see you tomorrow, 12 noon with Mike Salinas. Thank you.